Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. We are so glad, we are so glad that you are here, especially glad if you're here for the first time. Uh, that was an awesome worship time band. Thank you so much. We had the dueling gyms on the bass and percussion. Awesome. And the band, fantastic. Thank you, guys. God bless you all. Let's encourage them again. They put in a lot of work. Thank you, guys, for all that you do. Well, I'm glad you're here also, and not just because it's Kathy's birthday. Where's Kathy? It's your birthday today. There you go. God bless you. 29 again this year? Yeah, all right, good. <laughs> We're celebrating. There's a cake later. It's kind of for someone else, but we'll pretend it's for you too. <laughs> But that's not why we're here as much as much we would love to be here just for Kathy's birthday. We are here because today is Pentecost. Well, you probably already knew this. You probably woke up celebrating. Today is Pentecost Sunday, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I realize I probably lost like 50% of you. If you've been around Baptist churches for very long, you're like, Pente- Pente what? P- P- Pentecost Sunday, holy, holy what? That sounds so otherworldly, Pastor. That sounds so ethereal, so spiritual. Pastor, I'm kind of a more meat and potatoes, down-to-earth kind of Christian. I trust what I can see, what I can put my hands on, God's Word, what I can read, what I can, what I can know is true. This, this Holy Spirit stuff, that sounds kind of like hocus-pocus. Why don't we leave that, Pastor, to the more, more happy congregations, <laughs> the more Pentecostal churches, we Baptists, we, we like to get, get our, dig into what we can see and what we can know. And yet, and yet, the Holy Spirit is for you. To make it easier to swallow, we've pulled a story out of the Bible. Last year we talked about this. We talked about that, that, that Pentecost Sunday, that first Pentecost Sunday. And I'll give, you, I'll give you this much. That was a crazy day when the Spirit of God blew through the room like a hurricane and, 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 and kind of tongues of fire rested on each one of the guys, and they began proclaiming the gospel message in language that they had never learned, never studied, never spoken before. People that had never heard the gospel in their own language suddenly started getting saved. Peter walks out on the street, preaches his first sermon ever. 3,000 people get saved. I'll give you this much. That was a crazy day. Fast forward a few months in to the, the birth of the church, and the Holy Spirit begins working in churches a lot like this one. In fact, as we often say, I hope you will find yourself in this story. I've chosen a story about the Holy Spirit that really emphasizes not, of course, the Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives, but on a church, hint, hint, that looks an awful lot like this church. So if you have your Bible, open up to the book of Acts chapter 13. You can find it on your your app. Click on the QR code, the sermon notes, the text will come up, or you just follow along on the screen behind me. We're going to read the passages, Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to dig in and see what it looks like when the Holy Spirit works inside of you and inside of me. Let's see if you can find yourself in the story. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Let me read the passages, and we'll dig in. Verse 13, verse 1 says this. Now in the church at Antioch, remember that word, we're coming right back to it. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. Barnabas, 
Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up in the same home as Herod, the, the, the king or the tetrarch, and this guy named Saul. Help me here. What was Saul's other name? Paul. Paul. Excellent. Good for you. Verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work which I have called them to. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Verse 4 says this. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Okay, that's, that's a little chunk. I mean, the story goes on. It's actually a fantastic story. The first missionary journey of Paul and, and, and Barnabas. If you attended on Wednesday night, this is what we've been walking through for many weeks. Very exciting stuff. But we're going to focus on this part where the Holy Spirit is intricately involved. But before we do that... As I said, I want to make sure we find ourselves in the story because oftentimes if we can find ourselves in the story, we feel more attached to it. So let's talk about this, this church at Antioch and see if you see any similarities to a church that you know very well. First of all, it was a very multicultural church. You'd have to read in earlier chapters in the book of Acts to pick up some of the stuff we won't have time to dig in, but I encourage you to do that for homework. But it was a, a diaspora church. That means it wasn't like Jerusalem. It wasn't like Rome, the big mega churches with fancy pastors like Peter or James as the head pastor. This was in the outskirts. People had fled the persecution from the big cities and wound up there. But the funny thing about this church was it wasn't a Jewish heritage church. Most of these folks had not been Jews before. The Bible word is Gentile. That pretty much means a non-Jew. So most of the folks there, the leadership themselves, these were Gentiles, folks that had not grown up in the Jewish world, and they were a mix from all over. Very colorful, very different. Second of all, it was a generous church. Again, we haven't read this. It's in the chapter before. But this little bitty church Folks that had no tie to the old regime, the old tradition, the old ways of doing things, and certainly not a mega church. If anything, it was, oh, I don't know, maybe about 200 folks big. They had nothing better to do but to take a big collection and send this collection from this little bitty brand new church back to the mega church that was struggling because of the persecution in that big city. Also, it was a visionary or a missionary church. Did you, did you hear the name of guys that we just read off there? It was, it was Paul, it was Simeon, it was Barnabas, it was Lucius, it was Menaean. These were major guys. These were the leaders of this little bitty brand new church. Here's what they thought they should do. They should go into prayer, they should go into worshiping, they should ask the Holy Spirit, okay, who should we send out? The call came to Paul and Barnabas, the two best that they had, the best and the brightest, the most experienced, the most skilled, the most trained, the most intelligent, the best they had, and they decided to, well, of course, keep them there because you don't send off your best guys, do you? Your best girls, do you? You keep them at home. You send off your B team, right? Not this church. They said, these are the best we have, and so what we do with the best we have, we send them out. Folks, this is what God is calling us to. I wonder if we would find ourselves in this same church. I'm not trying to brag or, 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 or blow smoke, but let me, let me just tell you some things you might not know about, about our church. We belong to an association. 
oh, I don't know, there's about 100 churches here in the area that belong to this association of churches. About 50% of them are really super involved. Of all of those churches, this little bitty church, New Hope, gives about, we're the fourth largest financial donor to this association. Last year when we, we took up a collection to send off to global missions to reach people that you and I will never meet until heaven, this little bitty church decided we're going we're gonna to give $25,000. That's not normal for a small church. That's not normal for a little church. This little church decided that we're not just going to send off our money, but we're going to get involved in our association. Number of our churches are being planted fresh, brand new, a pastor, maybe a small handful of people. Many of our churches are being revitalized. It had dwindled down to maybe just a handful of folks, and, and the pastor is starting anew. And the, this church has freed me up to go and to form a training and a encouraging, even a financial resourcing committee to help these young churches reach out Chuck, Pastor Chuck, our very own Pastor Chuck, you might notice some Sundays he's not in worship, and you might think, Where, where's Pastor Chuck? Is he at home eating bonbons? No, far be it. He's, he's out in other sister churches that don't have pastors, and because he has a heart for these smaller churches, he goes and he ministers and he preaches and he trains. He encourages our own Pastor Matt. We're going we're gonna to celebrate Pastor Matt in just a minute. He, it's not enough for this awesome. First of all, can we just celebrate the fact that we have youth sitting in the front row? That, that never gets old. That never gets old. But Pastor Matt isn't satisfied with the youth that God's brought here. He has a heart for, again, this association of churches. There's so many of these churches that are so small they can't afford to have their own youth pastor. So Pastor Matt has created a, a, a vision and a dream and a strategy, and he's okayed it with uh, Pastor Philip's daddy. He's kind of in charge of the association, and he's creating a, an association-wide youth ministry to help these little bitty churches. This is the kind of church that you're a part of. We're not focused and holding on to tightly what we have, not willing to share with others, but the blessings that God has given us, we're sharing with others. Here's the deal. As we talk about the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives, how he talks to us, how he sends us, how he sets us apart, all the things the Holy Spirit does, we see very clearly that he, of all the churches he could have started in, he chose to start in the church in Antioch. It looked an awful lot like the church in Cape Coral. I propose, I propose that if we pray and we hope and we expect, the Holy Spirit will do the same thing through our church 2,000 years later. So let's dig in and understand exactly what the Holy Spirit does, expecting fully that as he worked in the church in Antioch 2,000 years ago, we can expect him to work the very same way in our lives and in our church today. So let's dig in. Number one, the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. That's exactly what you'd expect in the beginning. It says right there in verse 1. Now the church at Antioch, there are prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean. Verse 2, while there they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. That's an important word. It means said or spoke, obviously. How did he speak? Well, in the Old Testament, there were occasions where God himself, the voice of God, would speak audibly, and the people, or at least the prophet, would hear. Sometimes God would, would write a message on a wall. Remember, there's that story in the Old Testament. There's plenty of times when God himself would speak. Here, he's speaking through the prophets. Those were the ones, you remember what we said, the mouthpiece of God. So he's speaking through these mouthpieces of God, and he's saying what? If you dig into this word, it doesn't actually mean say. 
I dug into it. Ipen is the Greek word. It means actually to answer or to respond or to give a response to. What is the difference? He is not initiating this conversation. He is not saying, hey, 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 listen, listen. I've got something to say. I have a command for you. But rather he is responding and choosing to give a response to something these guys are already asking. But I looked in the text all week long, I'm looking at the text. Where was the question? Where was the, was the request from the guys? It says it right there. They were worshiping, or your translation might say ministering, and they were fasting. This is huge. In response to their ministering, in response to their fasting, the Holy Spirit gives a response, and he speaks clearly. What would that look like for you and me? Well, that word ministering is, is the same word that we get our word liturgy. It means a public Acts of service. Uh, great example. Pastor Philip leading us in worship. All the volunteers here in the band. Uh, the folks. Did you know there are folks here at 7 a.m. this morning? Straightening chairs. Turning on the coffee maker. Cleaning up little spills around. Making sure everything's just right. So when you come, you can feel comfortable and you can have your full attention on what God has to say to you. All of these public acts of service. Of course, these guys, they were preachers. They were teachers. They were prophets. All that kind of public, upfront kind of ministry. But everything was included. So they were very much involved in that. But on top of that is this whole word of fasting. Now I get We're about to roll out a big, fat carb-filled cake. This is probably not the day we want to talk about fasting, right, Jimmy? Yeah, I got it. Jimmy says, yeah, no, it's never a good day to talk about fasting. But for these guys, for these guys, they said the very best thing we could do, yes, we're involved in ministry. Yes, we serve. Yes, we, we, we tithe and we give and we invest. But on top of that, there are times when we need to uh, uh, abstain from food because we feel a sense of urgency. God wants to do something. Let me give you just three examples of times in the Bible where people fasted. Now, there are many examples, and we don't have time to talk about all of them, but let me give you these three. Number one, in a time of preparation. A new ministry, a new phase of life, something new, a new job, something new is on the horizon. So in preparation for that, folks in the Bible fasted. Jesus, perfect example. Remember he was baptized? Beautiful ceremony, everything with it. Even the Holy Spirit showed up, landed on him like a dove. God, his Father, spoke audibly out of the heavens over. I mean, it was, it was a highlight for anyone's ministry. About a, I wonder if that's going to happen today for your ordination. We'll see. But anyways, so, so all this was there. The very next thing, he jumps right into ministry, right? You remember the story? No, not at all. He didn't start healing. He didn't start preaching. With all this excitement, all this fanfare, all this encouragement, he could have, should have, would have run right out and started doing. But he didn't. He pulled away, actually for 40 days. He pulled away and he fasted. He needed that time of preparation. Another time, especially in the Old Testament, was in times of grief or remorse or repentance. You remember the story of Jonah? When Jonah confronts the enemy king with their sin, he, he repents in sackcloth and ashes, and he fasted when he was faced with the sins of his people. King David, just, just a little bit later, when, when he was confronted with his own sin, he sat in ashes ash and sackcloth, and he repented and he fasted. Even Nehemiah, when, when he was confronted with the sins of, of his people, the Jewish people, he fasted and he prayed. These are times when we fast, and these are times we do that because we're giving God all of our attention. But now what about these guys? 
I mean, when I read off that list, I'm thinking uh, the, the, the healthiest, the strongest, uh, the greatest potential of any pastor that you might know today on, on television or on the internet. I mean, these were the best of the best. Why did these guys need help? I mean, surely, surely Paul and Barnabas, the first and the greatest missionaries we read about in the Bible, they didn't need any help deciding, hey, maybe we should go tell people about Jesus. He already knew that. Why in the world did these guys, I mean, they had everything. They had education. They had intelligence. They were well-positioned. They had the experience. Why would they wait on a voice from the Holy Spirit? Apparently. Apparently, these guys had decided sometime before that the very best thing on top of their intelligence, their experience, their connections, all that they knew, the very best thing that these guys could do was wait on a word from the Lord before they ran off and jumped into ministry. Wow. That would change a lot, wouldn't it? If you're anything like me, we, we get a, some kind of harebrained idea, some kind of thought, and boom, we're off running. At best, we're calling back a prayer to God. Hey, God, would you mind blessing my new idea before I fall on my face or before I crash and burn or before I run out of steam? I think it's a good one this time, Lord. Would you mind blessing it real quick? These guys decided before they run off, it was best. And that's why the Holy Spirit spoke. And these guys that had every human, logical, earthly potential in the world said, no, we're not going to run ahead. We're going to wait for the Holy Spirit to speak. Second of all, the Holy Spirit sets us apart. Now, what in the world does that mean, to set apart? Well, it's kind of a two-part answer, if you don't mind. It's, it's, it's not only a, a, a setting apart, but it's a setting aside, uh, setting up for a special calling, special purpose, special ministry, a special place in life. Really, the best way I can describe it as far as a translation of this particular word is setting up someone or something for success. You know what I'm saying? Little Johnny and little Frankie, they're in a little race. You really want little Johnny to win because he's never run, uh, won a race ever. He just needs a little encouragement. So you say to little Frankie, hey, little Frankie, look at the puppy. And you let little Johnny run ahead. <laughs> You're setting them up for success. You're letting someone get ahead. You want to make sure they get to the goal. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He knows what he wants. He knows how he's gifted you. He knows what it would take to get you to the finish line. And he sets everything up so that you, the way you're wired, the way you're skilled, the way your, your personality traits are involved, that you can reach the goal that he set for you. But also it means he sets boundaries. Actually, the word means to set horizons. Funny way we would say it in English, but it means to set limits, to cordon off certain areas of your life, to open up new pastures that you've never been to, to open those off, but at the same time closing off other, court, other areas that you used to go to. The Holy Spirit closes off our old life our old way of thinking, saying, you don't belong here anymore. I've opened up, look, I've opened up a brand new pasture, a brand new ministry, a brand new world, a brand new way of thinking. It's not just about, oh, stop sinning and, and stop doing the old things. It's about losing interest in the old things altogether. It's about no longer desiring the shiny objects of the world. God is calling us to stop wanting the old things and start wanting the new things. But here's the deal. If you've been around church for a while, if you've been around this church for a while, and 
you've noticed that your desire for the old things is just as strong today as it was a year ago or two years ago, if you are seeing no real change, this is a problem. When God opens up these new pastures, this new world for you, when he closes off the old world, he does not set us back in that old world. It's like, it's like uh, taking my dog, Chloe, and, and, and if we were moved to a house that was full of trees that had little baby squirrel families in it, it would be the worst possible place you could put Chloe. Half of those squirrels would be dead. The other half would be eaten. She can't stop herself. She loves squirrels to death. It'd be like putting me <laughs> to work in an ice cream shop. No one would be happy. Well, except for me. I'm, I'd be pretty happy. But, but I would eat up the profits and then some. It's the last place you want to put me. God opens up these new pastures, new way of life, because that's where we can thrive. That's where we can grow. That's where we can hear. He sets us up for success by setting boundaries to the old way of life and boundaries and opportunities in a new way of life. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit sensitizes us. This is a funny word. Now we're getting to that whole Holy Spirit, spiritual type stuff. What in the world does that mean? As long as we are in this world, I mean this world, the, the world, the, the, the carnal, the fleshly, this earth, you're constantly being bombarded by the enemy whose only desire is to desensitize you. What do I mean? You are being pounded, you are being bombarded, you are being thrown at the worst of the worst. And every time you think it can't get any worse, you're getting something the next day that's even worse than that. Why? To desensitize us from these dangerous things, things that can harm us. If we know it can harm us as soon as we touch that hot stove, we, we, we coil back in fear. Wow, that's bad for me. I'm never going near a hot stove again. But if he can burn our little fingertips raw till we don't feel that hot stove anymore, more. Next thing you know, we're grabbing that hot stove with all of our might, and we aren't going anywhere until it burns us up. God is calling us to not be desensitized by the world, but rather be sensitized by the Holy Spirit. It means this. When, he, when the Bible says that he calls us, is right there in verse 2. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Again, this word also has two, a twofold meaning. First, it means not call out into a ministry, not call out into a job, not call out into a purpose. But before all of that happens, he's calling us to himself. He's calling us to get close to him, to draw near to him. Not first the marching orders, but rather first he wants to develop a closeness to us, a sensitivity to the way he speaks and the way he leads. Folks, there is loud, and then there is Spanish schoolyard loud. There's a big difference. We, our kids grew up in Spain, and while we were there, all three of my girls went to the same elementary school. Now, normally it was pretty easy to pick them out, all little white-headed babies. I mean, it, in, in a sea of, of Spanish kids, it was pretty easy to know which ones were mine. But to get their attention was a whole other story. There was a loudness to that schoolyard that I can't describe with, with a human voice. It was, it was cacophony. It was crazy. It was wild. The kids running and screaming and having fun, and I just wanted my kids to come in it was time for lunch and and and, and I, I i'd pull up and i think how in the world am i going to get their attention it was so loud it didn't seem like my voice would make any difference at all until i said i called all my kids bear the first one just because i thought that was cute but then when you have so many you kind of run out of nicknames so they were all just kind of bear so i said bear 
in the middle of this craziness, this yelling, this screaming, this wild action on the schoolyard, all three of my girls would stop in their tracks and look at Papa. If we were at the same place and I hadn't seen them yet because it was just too wild, one of them, any one of them, just turn around and say, Papa, I heard it. From the very first day of their lives, my ear had been trained to their little voices. From the very first day of their lives, their ears had been trained to my voice. That's how it works with mommies and babies, daddies and babies. Our ears are trained. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us, to sensitize us to hear and to understand not only his words, but his gentle leading wherever he would go. And once that takes place, then we get to the second part of this word, and that is not only a calling to himself, but a calling to a place of ministry, to a place of service. Only after that sensitivity training has taken place does he begin to reveal his plan for you and for me. Can you imagine how dangerous that would be? I mean, think, think, think about going off to war. You got some brand new green soldiers, guys and gals that just, just weeks ahead got their guns in their hand and were sending them out into deadly battle. How dangerous would that be if we didn't send them with the proper communications? Comms, they call it, in the military. If they had no comms, how in the world could we warn them of the impending danger coming from the sky? How in the world would they call for more supplies if they run out of resources? How in the world would they let us know that they are in danger and they're about to be trampled by the onslaught of the enemy army? Communication is so important. Before we are sent out to battle, before we are sent out to service, the Holy Spirit calls us to himself and we sensitize our hearts, our spirits to understand him and then he sends us out. I'll give you a perfect example of how this would work. Uh, Pastor Chuck leads a belong track class. It's three-week class, starts every month on the first Sunday. The Sunday today happens to be the beginning of the next class. You can jump in there. They do uh, 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 gift, uh, spiritual gift training. They do uh, ministry assessment training. They talk about how you're wired, how the church is wired. And then the Spirit begins moving in your heart and showing you where he would have you plug in with the way you're wired and gifted and with the needs and the opportunities right here in this church. It's a great opportunity. It's, 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 it's right after worship, and I, I highly encourage you, if you have not done that, whether you've been here for years or you're brand new, that's a great next step. And then finally, number four, the Holy Spirit sends us. Look at uh, verse number four. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. The sending is so important. Our, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit sets us apart. The Holy Spirit sensitizes us to his voice. But after that, the Spirit does send us out. This is key. There is no interaction with the Spirit of God without, without having to go somewhere. There is no interaction with the Spirit of the God of the universe without him calling on us to go now, this is not a call to go get busy, <laughs> go, 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 because Jesus is watching. That is, that is not at all what the Spirit is saying, but he's saying to go into the, 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 the calling I have you. In fact, this sending out is less about a destination, and it's more about an attitude. Let me tell you what I mean. It's the idea of, of living sent or living as a sent one. Some of you might remember, maybe the 50-plus the crowd, remember the last time you took all of your kids on a driving vacation. 
you probably were driving a station wagon. Do you remember station wagons? Yeah. You were probably driving a station wagon. There were two, three, four. Miss Dixie told me last night there were six little heads in the back seats, right? Because uh, remember how we had a back seat? Well, we don't need to go down memory lane. But all this is, do you remember why you swore to your husband, to your wife, you would never do that again? If you hear the words, are we there yet, one more time, you were going to explode. It had already been a thousand times before you turned the car around. You were finally heading back home. You said, never again, honey. Well, hold on to those ideas. Hold on to those words. Are we there yet? This idea of living sent, living as a sent one, sent by the Holy Spirit, what if, what if that idea is exactly in the very best sense of the words mean when we say we are living as are we there yet ones? What do I mean? God is calling us to have a holy dissatisfaction for where we are now and at the same time having a holy anticipation of what is to come. Are we there yet? God is calling each one of us, and when he interacts with us through his Holy Spirit, walking us through all of these steps, eventually he gets to the point where he sends us out. This is not a, a, about a destination. Not all of us are called to go to Thailand or Africa or India to be missionaries. Most of us in this room are called to go across the street and talk to our neighbor. If that is you, what if you would live your life every day without the, so much the destination in mind as just the attitude of being a sin one? Father, I am already on my way. You just direct me today, whether it's left or right or straight ahead. I'm already on the way. I'm living as a sin one. I, am, I have a holy dissatisfaction of staying comfortable, fat and happy where I am. And I have a holy anticipation of where you will lead me today for you, whether it be across the street or across the globe. This is the Spirit of God. Can you imagine? I mean, we, we know the story of what God did through Paul and Barnabas and, and the other guys that joined him on those journeys. What, what God did through these two guys that were set apart, who were sent out, who were spoken to, who were sensitized to the Spirit. What God did through these guys 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine if this church, the, the Antioch of 2022, if we started living this same way, the Spirit started speaking to us in this same way, what God could do in Cape Coral and Florida and the world, this is the God we serve. Are you listening? Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.